Well, welcome once again to Hope. We're really glad you're here. Again, my name is Derek, and I am thankful to be able to be with you today. We are continuing a series in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs, as we have been talking about, is really all about wisdom. Wisdom is the skill and the art of godly living. Wisdom is the skill and the art of godly living, which means both that it's learned, so we've got to actually develop skills in order to be wise, and that it's not just about us making great decisions, it's actually ultimately that we might be shaped in the image of our Creator, that we might come to reflect God more and more as we grow more and more in wisdom, and as we grow closer in connection with God who is only wise. And today we're going to talk about what Proverbs has to say about our words. Proverbs has to say about what we have to say to one another. So let me invite you to listen to some of these Proverbs as I read them to you. They all have to deal in some way with our words. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his, restrains his lips is prudent. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips will endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perseverance in it breaks the spirit. To make an apt answer is a joy to man and a word in season. How good it is. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. The fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. And then this one that will really govern most of what we say today, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Let me pray for us. Father, it's a glorious thing to be able to open your word, to be able to hear and listen to what you have to say to us. So we pray that you would do what you have promised to do, to speak through your word today, that we might be changed. We pray you would do so even now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is oftentimes the truth, isn't it, that it's the small things that are often most important, right? When, when you get a, a, a small box, you know, from your fiancé, it's probably going to be a lot more important than something really large. It's the small things that are oftentimes the most dangerous for us, too. I mean, right now in our world, the greatest concern that we have about our health is something that we can't even see with the naked eye. Very few people are afraid of tree limbs falling on them and killing them these days. Nobody is talking about lion attacks. You can scour the news and you're not going to find a group of doctors that are just super concerned about elephant tramplings. It's not the big stuff that we're afraid of, is it? It's the small things. And that's actually what the Bible and Proverbs in specific have to say about the way that our words are. They're oftentimes very small. We don't think of them as being really powerful, but they have the power to actually take life or to give it, Proverbs says. 
Our words have the power to build up or to tear down. And if we are going to develop wisdom, skill in the art of godly living, then it really matters how we deal with our words. It really matters what we think about what we say. It really matters the content of what we say. It really matters the way that we bridle our tongues. Maybe you've uh, heard or said, you know, that little children saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. What an absolute pile of horse manure. I mean, is there anything less true? We have all been hurt immensely by the words of another. A lot more than we could be hurt by sticks and stones. And of course, of course, the truth is, we've also hurt others with our words. Friends, our words are powerful. They have the power to give life or to take it. So it really matters what we say. In fact, it matters not only what we say, but what we hear. You know, there's an interesting irony, I think, is that uh, words heard last longer than words spoken. Words heard last longer than words spoken. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is, is the things that we hear, we can oftentimes take and dwell on in such a way that they begin to even drive all of what we do. In fact, the things that we remember hearing for 5, 10, 25 years maybe that can stay with us have long since probably been forgotten by the people who have said them. But when you hear them, they can actually settle into your heart and they can drive so much of what you do. Just, just bear with me for a second and see if you can remember a time when somebody said one of these words to you. I'm so proud of you. You are so good at what you do. You're a great mother. You're beautiful. I love you. Or when someone said, you're such a disappointment. Why is it that you can never do anything right? I don't really want to be around you anymore. Ugly. Fat. Loser. Failure. I'm leaving. Those words stick with us, don't they? They have the power to stay in our hearts and drive what we do for many, many, many years. In the award-winning uh, book, The Joy Luck Club, one of the characters, an eight-year-old girl, has this gift uh, for playing chess. She, she says it's actually this gift of being able to see the secrets of the chessboard. And she becomes a, a national chess champion by the time she's eight years old. But she's got this mother who is both uh, intensely jealous of her and also wants to profit on her fame. And so her mother is ultra controlling, and the one time when this little girl has the audacity to speak back to her mother, as eight-year-old girls oftentimes can do, her mother blows up and says, you know, you are nothing. You're nothing. And the way this character describes what happens next is amazing. She says, what she said to me was like a curse. This power I had, this belief in what I had been given, I could actually feel it draining away. I could feel myself becoming so ordinary, and all the secrets that I once saw, I couldn't see anymore. All I could see were my mistakes and my weaknesses, and the best part of me disappeared, simply because of the words spoken to her. 
There's a, a little-known congressional program that employs uh, kids who have aged out of the foster program as interns for Congress. And so kids who, who are too old, uh, who are no longer in a foster home but have not been adopted, uh, oftentimes get kind of dropped by our system. But this cool little program that allows them to come and intern uh, for, for, for congressmen and women. And I read this one story about uh, one such boy, and he was interning for this senator. And he was there on his first day in the job, and he got there earlier than everybody else. And he started just kind of cleaning the mailroom and organizing things. And the senator walked into the office, and he looked around at this mailroom, and he said, Wow, this is as clean as this place has ever been. It's amazing. Great job. And a few minutes later, as he was kind of going about his business, he looked over, and he saw this boy with tears kind of rolling down his face. And the senator starts to get nervous. You know, oh, gosh, first day on the job. What have I done? I've already said something wrong. And he says, you know, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Like, did I say something to offend you? And the boy said, no. I've just never been told that I did something right before. Our words have power, don't they? They have the power to take life or to give it. They have the power to build up or to tear down. They have the power to actually be with others for long periods of time and make really deep impact. And so if we were going to be wise, we must actually know and be careful with and tame our tongues because they have a lot of power. Proverbs 10:20 says this, that the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, and the heart of the wicked is of little worth. This is interesting, you know, Proverbs like a lot of wisdom literature and like a lot of Hebrew poetry is oftentimes spoken in parallel. There'll be one line said, and then the next line will say something that's kind of in parallel, either saying the opposite of it or saying the same thing in a different way. And so you oftentimes find these couplets that are held in parallel. And it's interesting to see the words that are in parallel between the two couplets. And did you notice which words are in parallel here in this proverb? The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. See, there's a connection in Proverbs between the tongue and the heart. And what Solomon is saying there is, in essence, is that what we say reveals who we are. The words on our lips actually reveal what is in our hearts. Our actions reveal our character. This should be no uh, surprise to us. That's the way that life works. If you really want to know what drives someone... Looking at their actions is oftentimes the best indication. And so one of the real truths of Proverbs is that what we say is really indicative of where our hearts are. What we say can oftentimes reveal our hearts. External con uh, conduct actually reveals internal character. I had a pastor who would oftentimes say this. He said, you are never going to be who you are not becoming. You'll never be who you are not becoming. The idea being, you know, you're never going to just become somebody someday that you're not moving toward right now. And in many ways, Proverbs is about our becoming. It's about shaping us into becoming those who look more and more like our Creator and our Redeemer. Those who develop this skill in godliness. And friends, our words are a wonderful way to see who we are becoming. So what does it mean to say things to others? What does it mean to use our words in godly and appropriate ways 
with others around us. Well, Nelson Mandela, I think, said it really well. He said, it's never my custom to use words lightly. If 27 years in prison have done anything to us, it was to use the silence of solitude to make us understand how precious words are and how real speech is in its impact on the way people live and die. Maybe your mom said this to you, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. That's not actually in Proverbs, but it resonates pretty well. So oftentimes, the best thing to say is nothing to say. You heard Mandela say that, right? What silence actually in solitude taught me was how important my words were and how carefully I needed to choose them. So just really briefly, how do we talk to one another? Here's a little structure for us. Is that we want to say the right thing at the right time in the right way for the right reason. The right thing at the right time in the right way for the right reason. And it all actually needs to kind of come together, because if we get one of those wrong, then our words can actually be pretty far off base. For instance, if I wake Joy up in the middle of the night, and I say, honey, honey, I just want to tell you, that lasagna you made was so good. Do you think she's going to thank me for the wonderful compliment? No, she's going to hit me with her pillow and tell me to go back to sleep, because I woke her up in the middle of the night to say it. Maybe you've seen this or felt this. Someone is grieving or is going through a difficult time. They've lost a loved one or they've lost their job or somebody's sick and some well-meaning Christian comes up and says something like, you know, all things work together for good. Or, you know, she's in a better place now. True, both true, but not said at the right time. You know, this is really important, I think, particularly today. We live in, in a world highly divided right now. We live in a world that feels like we're, we're all full of just open wounds, right? And so just barely touching any of those wounds is going to set everybody off. It is really important the way that we use our words. And let me just say, Satan would love nothing more than to divide the church and the way that he probably will do that the easiest is through the things that we say. In a time like this, the most dangerous things are oftentimes the smallest things, the words that we say to one another. But it's not just what we say to one another, right? It's also what we say about one another. It's really important not just what we say to each other's faces, but actually what we say about each other. Listen to the way that Proverbs puts it here in 16:28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. A whisperer separates close friends. We've all heard the whispers, right? Don't tell anybody this, but if you, you know, tell them, then tell them not to tell anybody, right? Secrets that really aren't ours to share, and we start whispering about them. Or little things about other people that we just kind of want to break them down just a little bit so that we can lift ourselves up. So we start talking little bit by little bit. Our culture does us no favors in this department. Because the internet and especially social media give us unlimited access to say whatever we want about whomever we want in a completely unfiltered way. That is not helpful, friends. 
to give everybody the power to say what they want at any time in a way that's completely unfiltered. And so what is oftentimes the case is that our public discourse is filled with lots of things that people would never say to each other's faces. Have you noticed that? What someone will put on a blog or someone will put in a tweet or someone will put in a Facebook post is something they would never have the audacity to say to somebody in, pub, in person. And so our world is actually oftentimes filled with this increasing kind of war against each other. And in fact, it's actually if you are the, the, uh, the, the more uh, increase the level of veracity, you'll increase the number of your likes. If you want a more popular post or a more popular tweet or a more popular blog, then say something increasingly disparaging about somebody else. That's the world we live in. Wouldn't it be great, actually, if we were able to kind of stop that? Stop the cycle of negative speech against each other? I actually saw an example of this recently. Uh, the, the actor and comedian Patton Oswalt is actually uh, he's pretty quick, pretty witty, usually has a pretty sharp thing to say to somebody who might heckle him or somebody who might disagree online. And he had sent out a tweet, uh, a tweet that was disparaging uh, about President Trump and immediately got a response from a Trump supporter that was uh, equally disparaging about Oswald. And so they started kind of into this little war that's the norm these days, right, where each person can take a little stab at each other. Except something interesting happened is that Oswald, for whatever reason, just paused for a little bit. And he started to search through this guy's Twitter feed and find out a little bit more about him. And he realized that this guy that he was in this war of words with was actually struggling with a pretty debilitating disease. And so what he did was something unusual. He actually tweeted this next. He said, oh, man, this dude just attacked me on Twitter, and I joked back, but then I looked at his timeline, and he's in a lot of trouble health-wise. He's been dealt some really terrible cards, so let's deal him some good ones. Click here and donate to his GoFundMe page, just like I'm about to. He totally changed the direction of the conversation and so totally changed the direction of the relationship. I want you to listen to what this man said then in the end. This is what he said. He said, this is how he responded to Oswald. He said, you have humbled me to the point where I can barely compose my words. You have caused me to take pause and reflect on just how harmful words from my mouth could result in such an outpouring from yours. Isn't that beautiful? Just a few words could completely redirect someone's heart, could completely change the outcome of a relationship. Of course, this leads us to the final thing that is most important for us in our words. It's not just what we hear, not just what we say to others and about others, but actually what God says. The most important thing for us to concern ourselves in regards to words is how we listen to God's word. I love that quote from that guy who says, the harmful things from my mouth would actually result in such healing things from yours. You know, that's the heart of the gospel. That's really the good news of Christianity is that we have spoken curse and God has spoken blessing, is that we have breathed out sin and God has breathed out life to us in Christ, 
is that we have spoken in ways that should push God far away from us, and he has spoken in ways that have drawn us near. God has revealed himself through his word, but even more clearly through his living word, the Lagos, the word made flesh who has come and dwelt among us, the word made flesh who has come to take our cursing words upon him, the word made flesh who has come to actually receive our sin upon himself and put it to death on the cross and speak back to us words of forgiveness and grace. Friends, let me invite you, if you are dealing now with the guilt of what you have said to another, if you are dealing with the hurtful words that you know we're going to probably resonate in someone else's heart for years to come, I want you to hear these words from Jesus. Beloved, you are forgiven. I have given myself for you. I've laid down my life to cover that sin, and you are mine. If you are struggling with the echoes of what others have said to you that have been driving your actions for years, you need to hear the Lord say what he has said to his son to whom you are united. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. I've brought you into my house. I have given you everything. I have loved you with a love that will never stop. And friends, if you are trying to figure out how do I actually use my words to build life into others rather than to tear it down, then hear the words of Jesus who has said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I will never leave you or forsake you. I have given you my life by giving you my word, myself. God's word has come to us. He has come to lay himself down for us. He has spoken, and when he speaks, he speaks life. Let that life be what we hear, what resonates in our hearts, and what actually changes our lips. Because the beauty of the gospel is that not only do our lips reflect what's in our hearts, but it's actually God's word that shapes our hearts. So listen to what he has to say and be changed by it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God only wise, make us wise in how we listen, make us wise in how we talk, Make us wise in how we communicate with each other. Make us wise, Lord, in how we receive your word. Jesus, word made flesh, you have made yourself like one of us so that that word might change our hearts, so that you might forgive us and love us, so that you might show us your glory and your mercy. Pray that we would know that today. We pray Christ's name. Amen.